Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the oddest piece of baggage that you've ever seen? <laughs> oh, Phoebe, you hit it right in the head. There are several. Spanky Rigor handles bags at San Francisco International Airport. One, one night, cargo came along and they said, please load this cargo, if possible, in the rear pit with minimal number of bags. And uh, don't agitate it. Well, it was covered. It had a sort of a, a tarp in it. And we go, what is it? Looks like a cage. And we heard a growl. <laughs> a low, deep growl. I go, oops, we better be careful with it. So we, uh, we inquired a day later. Uh, we asked cargo, what was that that we delivered in this flight, this and this and this? And they said it was a baby gorilla. <gasps> oh, wow. It was sedated. But still, at eight to ten month old, baby gorilla isn't really a baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it weighed about 350 pounds already. Before Spanky Rigor became a baggage handler, he had a whole other life. Do you ever get recognized? I was uh, in a Filipino store. A 13-year-old girl uh, pulls my sleeve and says, Can I have your autograph? I, I was taken aback, 13 years old, asking for my autograph. Are, are you, uh, you must have mistaken me. No. And shows me a CD with my picture in it. This is you, isn't aren't you? I go, yeah. Yeah. What did you know about your uncle when you were growing up? I knew that he had the most voracious appetite of anyone I'd ever seen that he was a champion for underdogs, always defending people who uh, were being ganged up against or clowned by others in the family. Um, and I knew that he was the most welcoming, one of the most welcoming, kindest people in my life. Uh, and the fact that he happened to be a musician 
in his old life in the Philippines uh, was such a minor detail that would only kind of be mentioned in passing by aunties and uncles and relatives who would sometimes mention, oh, yeah, he was a big star. Albert Samaha is a journalist and Spanky's nephew. As a kid, you hear that and you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. I'm sure he was like in a band and it was like cool and they had some performances. Um, And that was sort of the extent to which I understood his previous life as a musician until I was an adult in New York. And I happened to be at a party with one of my uh, friends who was, who was also Filipino. And I mentioned that my uncle was in a band and it was Spanky Rigor. And he was like, Spanky Rigor? I'm Phoebe Judge. And this is Love. Magandang araw po sa inyong lahat. Ako po si Spanky Rigor. Good day to you all. My name is Spanky Rigor. I was a member of the BSTN company. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up. Well, my father used uh, was uh, in the military, so they called us the army brats, so to speak, at that time. And by the time I was 11 years old, that's when uh, my father passed away and I started growing up in the Manila, in Little Baguio, specifically in San Juan. Little Baguio had a lot of these American-style suburban houses with sloping lawns uh, and, and, and white picket fences. And him and his friends um, from around the neighborhood, um, they had a little crew, you know, they would hang out. And they got into music really early, you know. Spanky's parents uh, were were big music aficionados. They played records of, of Spanish songs on their gramophone. They'd sing along. They'd dance in the living room. Sometimes there would be a little bit of a, a Mexican flavor like cha-cha, rumba, that kind of thing. But uh, the one that really hit me, that made me, you know, really concentrate on music was the one and only king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. And I started singing him when I was six years old. <laughs> <laughs> when I was even in kindergarten. What was your favorite Elvis Presley song? Oh, wow. There were a lot of them. But the one that uh, that really hit me, uh, it was uh, Don't Be Cruel. Don't Be Cruel and Love Me Tender. So is Love Me Tender kind of a later Elvis song, or is that an early song? It was an early song. I believe it was one of his first hits. I always liked those Elvis songs that were a little faster. You know, like uh-huh. Jail Hell's Rock and things like that. Yeah. Those are classics. Because uh, Jailhouse Rock came out after the first movie, Love Me Tender. Wow, how do I know this? I was six years old. Because <laughs> you were a big fan. <laughs> I was. Oh, wow. I really was. Spanky would sing Elvis songs in talent shows at school. Later, he and some friends from the neighborhood started a band. Uh, the first uh, instrument I learned to play was the drums. I didn't have a drum kit, so I used to get the, the wooden sticks of hangers and then put some cans and cardboards and try to hit them. Then he learned to play the guitar and the piano, but mostly he played the bass. And then there came four guys who nearly disrupted my life by <laughs> to hang on. They, they were called the Beatles. When you were growing up listening to Elvis, listening to the Beatles, were you thinking to yourself, when I grow up, that's what I want to do. I want to be in a band. 
you know what, Phoebe, to tell you the truth? I was into their music, but I never thought that I would, you know, be like them or follow their trend because at that time, it was like a dream. It was, it's impossible. No, no way. So I just stay in my little niche and enjoy their music and try to, you know, more or less copy and learn from them. And uh, basically that was it. After Spanky graduated from college, he worked in sales for an agrochemical company. He got an offer for another corporate job, one where he would make even more money. But then a record company offered him a chance to be a music producer. My then uh, future wife, I asked her, what do you think, hon? And she goes, follow your heart. And I did. So I joined the recording company. Spanky says that a big part of the job was coming up with new ways to get people to listen to the company's music. I would tell you that one of the most difficult audiences to please is uh, the Filipino audience. You must have a hook. At that time, there was this disco craze. And at that time, the disco music was mainly from the Western side. And there wasn't much local. America occupied the Philippines for almost 50 years. They became independent in 1946, a few years before Spanky was born. When Spanky was growing up, he says almost all of the popular songs there were American or British, not Filipino. He didn't usually hear much music in Tagalog. When disco started getting popular, Spanky's record company decided to put together a band. Spanky was going to help lead it, along with two brothers, Vic and Tito Soto. They called the band VST and Company. V for Vic, S for Spanky, and T for Tito. Spanky produced songs and played the bass guitar. He says they weren't sure the band would make it. It's something like what we call in Tagalog, suntuk sabuan. Literally, it means hitting the moon, I mean, punching the moon. It was, uh, we'll see what happens, that kind of attitude. So what we were thinking was that Filipinos love to dance. VST recorded their first single. When we released the single, Aside A was Ikaw Ang Aking Mahal, which was a little bit, you know, slow uh, rhythm and blues. And uh, yeah, it played about a week or two. And one of the DJs who was listening to it, in, before he played it, he flipped it up and said, what does side B sound like? And when he heard it, he goes, this is supposed to be side A. And the song was Awitin Mo Isasayauko. And uh, the other DJs catched on and they started playing the music. And lo and behold, the saying Suntuk Sabuan or Punch in the Moon, actually it punched the moon.
everybody was listening to it, playing it, singing to it, dancing to it, until the production people said, hey guys, you have to release an album immediately, and you have to show the band. This was high-peak disco. They were in sparkling vests with no sleeves underneath, leather pants, all sorts of colors. This was bright. This was big. This was very flamboyant, you know, which, which reflected not just, you know, disco culture, but also Filipino culture. You know, Filipinos take pride in our, in our brightness, in the, in the way we warm up a room, the way we bring joy and laughter. And, 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 and you know, we're, we're a people that loves to karaoke during Christmas parties and family reunions. And they really captured the spirit of that. Their outfits had sequins on them. You know, they, they, they glittered and sparkled just like the balls swinging above them. Um, and they danced, you know, they went up and down the stage. They were sweaty by the time the performances were done. And, the, they're, you know, when you're looking at a crowd full of people dancing together, how could you not dance yourself? Spanky and the other members of the band were in their late 20s. They started off playing college shows. They didn't take it for granted, and I think they, they try to enjoy every moment up there on stage. My Uncle Spanky would always tell me that his favorite part of being a rock star was when he would make eye contact with a single person in the crowd and just see how euphoric they were, just immersed in that music and immersed in that sound that he himself couldn't help but feel that euphoria. And, you know, this was all happening in the shadow of the, the Ferdinand Marcos dictatorship. So being able to provide that escape from that t- political turmoil outside those shows uh, was really important to him and the rest of the band. One time, Spanky and the band went to perform at a Catholic girls' school run by nuns. They walked into a packed auditorium. And we were not used to singing in a quiet auditorium full of girls. Usually they would be screaming already. But they were so quiet. So after the first song, said, thank you. And we did our uh, good evening and everything. Usually... Sometimes when you do that, you can't even hear yourself. But this one, you can hear yourself clearly. So we were looking at each other. So what's going on? Are we doing something wrong? And then we did the second song. And the second song, one girl, just one girl, let off a scream. One girl. And in two seconds, the whole auditorium erupted. And you... (laughs) You could see the nuns running up and down the court, trying to calm them down. The poor nun was just saying, these girls, they're just college students. I mean, could you calm them down, try to calm We just couldn't. I, you can't tone down your music, it's disco. The, the girls would get so excited in the front row that the nuns started sprinkling them with holy water <laughs> <laughs> while during the performance and eventually cut the performance short because they felt it was getting way too excited, way too hot and heavy. And, and, and it was like that everywhere they went. Um, people wanted that escape. People wanted, you know, a piece of them. This is a time when, like, TV was very new in culture. This is, you know, the 70s, and people knew what they looked like, and, and, and people wanted to be a part of that. I mean, how quickly did you realize that this band had become a big deal? Well, the first time we came out on television, apparently there were already a lot of people waiting for us to leave. We didn't expect that. We didn't know. The band members walked outside of the building where they'd been filming and were swarmed by fans. 
the gauntlet was getting smaller and smaller and we had to run to our cars. There was just too many of them. One or two would be fine. But a mob? We, 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 barely, we barely got out of the parking lot. And we realized, what's going on? Did you think to yourself, I'm a beetle? <laughs> it, it crossed my mind, Phoebe. It crossed my mind. But then again, I said, no, this can't be happening. What's going on? Uh, to the other guys who were in the band, they were all excited. But for me, it was more of an apprehension. Because, uh, okay, so uh, what's next? We'll be right back. Support for This Is Love comes from Indeed. Hiring someone new can sometimes feel like finding a missing puzzle piece. The right person can complete a team, but the search can take a long time. And sometimes it feels entirely up to chance. Indeed is designed to help you find that perfect match much easier and much faster. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences for job candidates and becomes more accurate over time. That means the more you use it, the better it gets. You also need to worry about the busy work of hiring. Indeed will help you with scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Listeners to this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash This Is Love. Just go to Indeed.com slash This Is Love right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash This Is Love. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why Milk? Dairy Milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. What's your favorite VST song? Rock, baby, rock. Love that jam. That was the first VST song I heard, too. Rock, baby, rock was the one like my Uncle Bobby would play in the car. Uh, it just kind of rolls. VST released the song Rock, Baby, Rock in 1979. A year or two after their first album, they'd gone from playing college shows and Catholic schools 
to sold-out shows with thousands of people. People have called it VST mania. Spanky told me so many stories of just any bar or restaurant they would go to. You know, the owner would cover the bill. You know, people would be lined up outside just waiting to get a glimpse of them as they step out onto the sidewalk. But also he just got a lot of stuff free. Like he, he tells a story about one time um, a, a, a show a promoter wasn't able to pay them, uh, in cash at least. So he provided them with a lifetime supply of beer. <laughs> and so every month a truck would pull up to the compound that my Uncle Spanky shared with my other aunts and uncles at the time, and just cases of beer just pull in. And then Uncle Spanky would call all of my other uncles, and they'd call all their other friends and just have a party. Were you enjoying it? I mean, this you were a celebrity. Yeah, it was exciting. It was something new. Uh, sometimes you have to pinch yourself. But then again, after that, when it wears off, I'll tell you, it's the loneliest place to be. <laughs> because now you can't even go out. You can't even do things that you used to do. And just to let you know, at that time, I was a newlywed. And uh, I was looking forward to being, you know, just, uh, just a husband. Spanky married Gin Concepcion. In 1980, they had a baby. Spanky was acting in movies and television shows. It was uh, just like the Beatles says. It was eight days a week. And it was a hard day's night, if you know that. When Spanky wasn't on the road, he stayed at home in his wife's family's compound. It was three houses surrounded by a cement wall. They called it Scout Reyes. His wife's family had a lot of money, even before Spanky got famous. They hired maids and a driver, and they owned a boat. But Spanky says his mother-in-law wanted to move to America. King Concepcion grew up hearing stories about the U.S. from her, and would later tell them to her nephew, Albert. I remember she told me how, you know, when, when she thought about America, she thought about how everyone could eat steak, you know, everyone could have a job. Um, she and all of her siblings grew up um, receiving uh, their auntie Caridad on visits from San Francisco. And she'd open her, her suitcase and it smelled of mint. And she'd have caramel popcorn and all these different candies that they'd never seen before. And she had all these stories of how amazing America was. My grandfather, Manuel, he would tell them stories about the time that he visited his sister in San Francisco and was walking down the street when he caught glances with another man who was Filipino and they sort of caught glances because there weren't a lot of Filipinos there at the time. And the two men started getting to talking and they were walking. Um, and as my grandfather walked him to his car, he realized that this man, who it, who it turned out was just working as a humble elevator repairman, was driving a brand new red Cadillac. And that sort of instilled in my grandfather this idea, this notion that in America, you can work a humble job and still be able to afford a very nice car. And so my, my, my auntie, my auntie Ging, she was raised on those stories. Ging Concepcion's mother moved to San Francisco, but she was having a hard time settling in. So Ging followed her there to help, and she took her baby with her. To tell you the truth, Phoebe, I didn't want them to come to the States. You know why? I was influenced by the TV shows that they were showing in Manila. And I was a fan of uh, Streets of San Francisco. 
And I had the impression that San Francisco and the United States is what I see on TV, which is, wow, a lot of bad people and violence. <laughs> it was a cop and robber movie uh, series. But Spanky says his wife wanted to try it out. At first, they planned to be apart for one year, but she ended up staying for a while. Other members of the family came too, and she and Spanky were long distance for seven years. In the summers, Spanky's wife and son came back to visit him in the Philippines. He was more famous than he had ever been at that point. By the early 80s, he was an established A-list celebrity. He was hosting a sketch comedy show with some of his bandmates. He was starring in movies. Um, He had contracts. Part of the reason they had to be long distance wasn't because Spanky was, was, was so resistant to moving to the States. It was because he... He had contracts that he had to fulfill. He had to be on these television shows. He had to go into these movies. He had to fulfill these recording deals. He had responsibilities and obligations, and his fame was only getting bigger. I would come to the States twice a year, Christmas and on my son's birthday. And uh, after seven years, man, it was hard. I even asked my wife, Come back. Whatever you have here in the States, I can give you and more. And then she said, have you ever looked into the future of our children? It's not us anymore. And then something happened, like uh, some somebody hit me in the back of the head uh, subconsciously. I said, hey, you, what are you doing here? Your family's over there. It's not you anymore. I realized then that, what am I doing? Uh, I'm being selfish. I think I need to start being who I am, what I have to be, be a father, be a husband. And I didn't tell anybody, anybody, my coworker, my friend, nobody. I just packed my bags. Uh, packed up the the house, the apartment, and just left. Spanky went to the airport. At the airport bar, he asked for a shot of vodka. And the the bartender recognized him, of course. Um, I know he was wearing, I think, I think it was white alligator shoes and like a white, like like broad brimmed cap in addition to his white linen suit. And so the bartender, having recognized my uncle Spanky from VST and Company kept pouring it up. So he had a couple shots there. And then when he got on the plane, um, the, the flight attendants recognized him. The pilots recognized him. They invited him into the cockpits. They gave him some brandy for free. And I, I remember him telling me that he sort of fell asleep, you know, in, in that drunken haze while looking out into the clouds. What, what was it like getting on the plane knowing that you weren't coming back, that you were, you were starting a new life? It was... I inhaled deep, I exhaled heavily out, shrugged my shoulders and said, okay, another chapter of your life, let that go. And I was looking forward with enthusiasm, with being with my family, the things that we would do together, the things that I missed. 
I I am still very apologetic to my son for not for not having I would say his growing seven years that I wasn't there. I I up to now I still feel so guilty, even though my son would say, Dad, it's okay. I mean, we're here, we're together. No, Iho, I I treated you seven years. I, I'm sorry, Phoebe. I'm sorry if I sound emotional, but uh, it brings back bittersweet memories. And uh, I should have come to the United States earlier. I should have come with them. I missed seven years. What did you plan to do for work when you got to the U.S.? Did you think I'll keep making music? When I came to the United States, music was far from my mind. I was with my wife, and I had a brand new daughter. <laughs> I had a brand new daughter, Lauren. And, uh, wow, it was the... I would say the happiest moment of my life. And what did you end up doing for work when you first got here? Oh my God, <laughs> you can't imagine. I got um, an application that was picked up from the car floor of my friend here in the States. And he said, here, fill it up. I said, oh, what is it? Uh... It's an application for a job. Okay. I filled it up. I sent it and forgot about it. In three months, I get a letter and it says, please report to our medical for your exam and you have to report to work. And I go, oh my goodness. I've got a job. Will I or will I not? We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Spanky Rigor received a letter asking him to report to work at San Francisco International Airport. He got a job stocking airplane kitchens. Here's his nephew, Albert Zamaha. 
So he would basically come in with these metal trays filled with like the tiny liquor bottles and little food trays and would slide them in to the, the slots in, the, in the, the galley in the back of the cabin. He would do hundreds of these a day, you know, like 100, 200 planes a day. I'm um, just sticking them in, taking out the old ones, replacing it, then going on to the next plane. So his hands would get cut up and then it would like bleed from all the metal that he was like shifting here and there that he'd kind of develop all these calluses on his, on his hand. Um, and it was like this fast, dirty, rushed, really cramped work. I asked myself, what the hell am I doing here? I'm not supposed to be here. And then at the back of my mind, always, Phoebe, always, maybe it's somebody up there who was telling me, straighten up, shape up. It's not you. It's not you anymore. It's for the family. And that's what kept me going. And I would say it's the first time I really worked in my life. I mean, really work with my hands. And after about four or five months, I was beginning to enjoy it. In fact, I considered myself as a person who would take away the fears of flying from people by giving them drinks. (laughs) (laughs) Then Spanky started working as a baggage handler. He often worked in a crew of four people, and he says they would have 20 minutes to unload and reload each plane. Usually, that meant 200 bags, 2,000 pounds of mail, and 500 pounds of freight. Slamming a bag, a 70-pounder bag, was easy at that time. So it was fun. That was a time when I was looking forward to going to work. I would even work 16 hours a day for a straight week. And I had to travel. I had to drive 40 miles one way from where I was staying back to work. I had, I would say, six hours of sleep at that time. But the feeling is that I was enjoying my work. I had my family that I had I would enjoy also together on the weekends. It was wow. I would say it was the happiest time of my life. More than thirty years later, Spanky is a supervisor at the airport. He still does load himself. He never respected the supervisors who would boss people around but never touch a bag themselves. So even though he's like 72, 73 now, it might be 74, um, he's, still, he's still picking up the bags, loading them, unloading them, you know, hundreds a day, hundreds at a time. Um, but, but, but he's, you know, picked up some injuries along the way, you know, broke a couple wrists, sprained a shoulder. Um, but, but he's still going strong and he's, he's, he's uh, made, a, made a career out of it and, and, and they all love him on that squad. Have you ever asked him if he regretted his decision? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The first time I asked him, it was at a family gathering at my Auntie May's place, Christmas. He just, he, he looked around. He pointed around, you know. Look at all our family. You know, if he, if he never made that decision, if he never made that journey, if he was still back in the Philippines, he wouldn't be here. And um, it's hard to imagine what our family would be like if he was across the ocean. But you come to America, uh, immediately you're hit with a series of obstacles. One... I mean, just start with the exchange rate, right? Whatever's in your savings account is now worth, you know, 10 times less because the purchasing power. Two, a lot of your certifications don't apply. So 
my grandmother ultimately became an accountant again, but she had to start from the bottom. She had to reapply to get a new accounting certificate. She had no American work history that would get her the type of jobs that would get her the same amount of, 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 of income that she was getting in the Philippines. Not to mention the racism, you know, um, that, that has suppressed many uh, immigrants from trying to rise up the ladder. But you, if you talk to the immigrant generation, the, the, the elders, they say that that's all worth it. Now, now, to me, having grown up in America, I'm, I'm more skeptical of my country than I think they are. And it's a lot easier, I think, for me to be skeptical of a country because I didn't sacrifice anything to become American. I was, it's my birthright. And so I, it's almost like because I didn't have that experience of living in the Philippines and because the only country I know is America, I'm more skeptical of the story of America being the promised land, of, of America's institutions being strong enough and, 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 and uncorrupted enough to be worth the sacrifices it took for them to make that transition. What do you think your life would be like if you hadn't left? I can't imagine, Phoebe. Probably I'd be working myself uh, down to the grain without enjoying anything. Probably I would have to go around with, with a bodyguard. I would have to choose the places where I would go. I would probably even choose who my friends would be. And I think that's not living at all. You might be alive, but you're not living it to the hilt. We grew up in this, um, this, this, this bubble of, 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 of happiness. At least for me, that's the way I remember it. Albert Samaha says their family made a new base in Vallejo and bought a house there. And, and it felt like what I heard Scout Reyes was like um, in their day. Whenever another member of the family would arrive from the Philippines, they would go to the Vallejo house first and stay there until they found work and got on their feet. Does, does Spanky still perform at all? Oh, yeah. He came back to it, man. He, it started with kind of just him and some neighbors, some Filipino neighbors in Vallejo. would gather in a garage and just kind of jam uh, and just kind of, you know, play some covers. And then, you know, they got really good. So they called themselves uh, the Young Ones. But like O-N-C-E, like young once, but you say it like young (laughs) once, a little pun there. Um, And they would perform like Beatles stuff, 60s stuff, a lot of like boomer age classics. Obviously, Uncle Spanky was like the headliner. Um, But in more recent years, I think really within the last decade, he and his brother Roger uh, have started doing some VST reunion shows. And I've seen all these titas rush up to my Uncle Spanky and, and, and Uncle Roger taking selfies with them, you know, these, these, these 50, 60-year-old women just young again, acting like teenagers, you know. Probably some of them were from that girls' Catholic school with the, with the uh, holy water. Recently, Spanky has traveled a lot, playing shows with different bands one or two times a month. What's your favorite VST song? My favorite is uh, Ano Kaya. What would be, what would be the world like? What would be a rose like without its fragrant smell and its beautiful looks? It would be just like me if I wasn't with you. 
it's literally saying everything evolves around you. What I see, the world, the love that we have, it's you because without you, there's nothing. <laughs> That's what the song is all about. Maybe somebody up there just wanted to show me what is black and white. Nothing is gray. And you have to choose the colors of your life. It's how you mold your life into something that you'll always cherish. This is Love is created by Lauren Spore and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, Lily Clark, Lena Sillison, and Megan Kinane. Our technical director is Rob Byers. Engineering by Russ Henry. Special thanks to Bettina McElindahl. Learn more about the show on our website, thisislovepodcast.com. And if you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review. It means a lot. Albert Smaha has written a book about his family called Concepcion, An Immigrant Family's Fortunes. You can find a link in our show notes. We first learned about Spanky Rigor from Pop-Up Magazine, a live storytelling event. Their final shows are coming up. Learn more at popupmagazine.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at This Is Love Show. This is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, (laughs) but they choose to do it. In the new docuseries, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.